Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock. We're going to rock around the clock tonight. George Lucas has been called everything you can imagine. Genius, visionary, hack, Scrooge McDuck. For some fans, he enriched our childhoods, while others accuse him, and his special editions, of stealing theirs. George Lucas is almost as divisive a character as Jar Jar Binks. He may seem godlike, but George is a mere mortal, just like the rest of us. On a recent Four Center episode, Ken and Joseph and I talked about how our relationship with Star Wars shaped our childhoods. So that got me thinking, what was George Lucas's childhood like? What influenced him and shaped him into the maker that he is today? And at a young age, were his midichlorians, 
I mean, was his brilliant imagination already off the chart? We'll try to find out. So hop in because we're going cruising on this episode of The Jedi Beat. I'm your host, Jennifer Landa. It is no mystery that the biggest influence on George Lucas's life was George Lucas. Senior, that is. According to the book Skywalking, The Life and Films of George Lucas, George Lucas Sr. had quite a presence about him. He was tall and thin, had dark hair, and impeccable posture. He also had that hard-earned grit that we now associate with Depression-era survivors. In 1928, when George Sr. was 15, his father suddenly died from complications of diabetes, leaving George as the head of the household. By the age of 16, he was a breadwinner of the family. This immense responsibility forced George Sr. to essentially give up his adolescence and become a man. It was tough times for the Lucas family, so they moved to Modesto, California in search of a better life. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. George Lucas Sr. met Dorothy Bomberger in their high school history class. And like something out of a movie, it was love at first sight. George was so smitten by Dorothy that he told his mother that day, quote, I saw this girl at school and I'm going to marry her. Four years later, he did. Dorothy came from a well-to-do family that was very well known in Modesto and Central Valley. Their money came from Dorothy's father's smart real estate investments. However, her family's wealth did not mean the newlyweds had an easy time during the depression. After a quick stint in Fresno, Dorothy and George Lucas Sr. moved back to Modesto, California and into a repossessed apartment that Dorothy's father had taken over. George held traditional Methodist values, so even though they could have used the extra income, he refused to let Dorothy get a job. George Sr. quickly found work with a stationer named L.M. Morris. Mr. Morris was an older gentleman who owned his own stationery store. George Sr. was a determined young man and a very hard worker, and he made it clear to Mr. Morris that he wanted his own stationery store someday, or at least own a percentage of one. The two had a good working relationship, and it wasn't long before they developed a father-son type of bond. Mr. Morris did not have a son, and one day he had a heart-to-heart -heart with George. He would give him 10% of the business and make him partner. If George continued to work hard, he could eventually own 50% of the L.M. Morris stationery business. George Sr. couldn't believe the offer. He eagerly agreed to the terms, and 15 years later, Mr. Morris sold the remainder of his business to George Sr. George Lucas Sr.'s dream had come true. He was the proud owner of a stationery store. Ella Morris began carrying typewriters, office supplies, toys, and even tchotchkes. George's business was thriving, and within a couple years, he, Dorothy, and their new baby Anne moved to a bigger house. When their second daughter Catherine was born, two years later, George bought a lot of land and built a single-story house for $5,000. Their house was nestled on Ramona Avenue, a nice quiet street on the edge of the city. Everything was going well for the Lucas family, except for one big problem. Dorothy's health was not well. She was frequently hospitalized, but doctors were baffled by what was ailing her. They thought it might be pancreatitis, and later on she'd have a tumor removed from her stomach. But after Catherine, the doctors advised Dorothy to not have any more children. George Walton Lucas Jr. was born on May 14, 1944, at 5.30 a.m. He weighed 5 pounds, 14 ounces, and was 20 inches long. Needless to say, he was a surprise pregnancy. But George Lucas Sr. was ecstatic to have a son. Dorothy, too, was happy, partially because she knew how badly George Sr. had wanted a son to carry on the stationery business. Since Dorothy was often in and out of the hospital, George, or Georgie as he was called, was taken care of by his older sisters and the family housekeeper, Mildred Shelley. Mildred, or Till as she was called, began caring for Georgie when he was eight months old. And later on, she took care of his sister Wendy, who was born 
three years later. Those early years were filled with fantastic stories told by Till, who became somewhat of a second mother to George. He told biographer Dale Pollock, quote, I have very warm feelings about that time, end quote. On the surface, George Lucas Jr.'s childhood was as picturesque as a Norman Rockwell painting. Interestingly enough, George owns quite an extensive collection of Rockwell paintings. But I digress. During the 1940s and 50s, George Jr. uses grandfather's 16mm movie camera to film the family's weekly backyard picnics at the house on Ramona Avenue. It was a great middle-class life for a kid growing up in Modesto. And yet, George told Dale Pollock, quote, I was very much aware that growing up wasn't pleasant. It was just frightening. I remember that I was unhappy a lot of the time. Not really unhappy. I enjoyed my childhood. But I guess all kids, from their point of view, feel depressed and intimidated. Although I had a great time, my strongest impression was that I was always on the lookout for the evil monster that lurked around the corner. End quote. Perhaps it was his mother's ill health that caused a cloud to loom over him. Or he may have been filled with existential dread, partly because he was often picked on as a child. George Jr. was a small fry. When he was six, he only weighed 35 pounds. The average weight for a six-year-old is 50 pounds. Despite being scrawny, he had a close-knit group of friends. There was John Plummer and George Frankenstein and his younger sister Wendy rounding out the crew. They'd spend their days staging elaborate backyard carnivals. George would organize the event, and together they would create rides and games, a funhouse, and even a petting zoo using pets from the neighborhood. Say, step right up to pet the world's laziest dog. While many fans spent their childhoods reenacting Star Wars, George and his friends reenacted World War II. After the victory of World War II, the 1950s were a particularly patriotic time for Americans. George recalls, I loved the war. It was a big deal when I was growing up. It was on all the coffee tables in the forms of books and on TV and things like Victory at Sea. I was inundated with these war things. His views on the war would later change, after his older sister Anne lost her fiancé in the Korean War. And like many Americans in the 1960s and 70s, during the Vietnam War. The dawn of television in 1949 awakened George to a whole new world. Not surprisingly, George Sr. refused to buy the family one of the early television sets. Never an impulsive man, he wanted to wait until the technology improved and better models were being sold. That didn't stop George Jr. from watching. His buddy John Plummer had the first television set in Modesto in 1949, so George parked himself in front of theirs. According to John Plummer, after his family got the TV, George spent a lot of time at their house watching cartoons. Five years later, in 1954, George Sr. finally bought the Lucas family their very own television. You can have big screen close-ups just like that. Close-ups as large as life with RCA Victor's great new 21-inch model, the Master 21. George Lucas's favorite childhood show was Adventure Theater, which was broadcast nightly at 6 p.m. on KRON-TV in San Francisco. The show featured movie serials from the 1930s and 40s, like Flash Gordon Conquers the Universe, Tailspin Tommy, and 
and Masked Marvel. Who is this Masked Marvel? Yes, that's what I'd like to know. Yeah, who is he? We know that the adventure and cliffhanger endings of serials like Flash Gordon greatly influenced the style of Star Wars. The adventures of Flash Gordon made a big impact on George later on as a filmmaker, but it wasn't because he thought it was a fantastic piece of cinema. Quote, I was appalled at how I could have been so enthralled with something so bad. And I said, holy smokes, if I got this excited about this stuff, it's going to be easy for me to get kids excited about the same thing, only better. What do you think, Doc? No use, Flash. The ship can't take off. She'll never move again. You mean we gotta stay here? We can't get back to Earth? It's a long walk. And I promised my wife I'd be home for dinner. One of my favorite tidbits from George's childhood is how obsessed he was with watching television. Their family's television set was on a revolving stand, which allowed George to watch TV while eating his dinner. When he was done, he turned the TV around to the living room and watched an episode of Perry Mason or Gunsmoke. George and his sister Wendy would often grab their blankets and plop in front of the television set to watch cartoons. Yes, George Lucas was somewhat of a couch potato. I can certainly relate to that. Like many Star Wars fans, he also loved reading comic books. His favorite? Scrooge McDuck. Some might see the humor in that. Why did he like reading about the richest duck in the world? As he said, that kind of greed attracts all young kids because you wanna have all this stuff. Having it in a safe place and protecting it, that's real kid stuff. George and his sister Wendy would combine their allowance money to buy 10 comic books at a time. Before long, they had accumulated at least 500 comic books. George Sr. built a shed in the backyard, and in it was a room that, according to George Jr., was filled with comic books from floor to ceiling. Like Scrooge McDuck, it was a safe place where he could protect his possessions. George Lucas is now worth $4.8 billion, but in 1948, his allowance was just four cents a week. Granted, he was only four, and all the Lucas children started off with merely pennies for their allowance. Like the good businessman he was, George Sr. increased the children's allowances each year, as long as they did their chores to earn it. When George was 11, his chief responsibility was to mow the lawn by hand. The family's grass was tough to mow, so using a push lawnmower was exhausting work, especially when you're a little pipsqueak like George was. But here is an example of George Lucas's ingenuity. Even at such a young age, George Jr. knew he couldn't get out of mowing the lawn, so he came up with a plan. All he needed was $60 to pull it off. He saved up his allowance until he had $35. Then he borrowed $25 from his mother, who he would later pay back with his allowance money. With $60 in hand, he went out and bought his very own power lawnmower. Just like George figured out a way to work around his father's rules, he would later find a way to work around the Hollywood studio system. George Sr. was furious and was also impressed by his son's clever way of thinking. How could he be mad if he was still getting the work done? By all accounts, George Lucas Sr. was a taskmaster. Some journalists are harsher than others in their reporting of Mr. Lucas. Journalist Bernard Weinraub called George Sr. a, quote, domineering ultra-right-wing businessman. 
but George Jr. credits his father's small-town business principles with helping him succeed in the entertainment business. His father once told him, Never go into business with your hobby because you'll be taken advantage of and you'll be doing stupid things and doing things for love instead of money. In a 2008 USA Today interview, George said that he always kept his dad's little slogan next to him. He reminded himself that just because he was doing what he was passionate about didn't mean he should work for free. George Sr. may seem like a no-nonsense type of man, but in actuality, he had a zany sense of humor. Childhood friend George Frankenstein remembers that he was a very funny, practical joker type of guy. But when it came to parenting and his business, it was no joking matter. George Frankenstein worked at Ellen Morris during high school and recalls that he was tough. Boy, I tell you, if you were 15 minutes late or a bill was wrong, he'd hang you out to dry. I mean, he screamed and yelled a good part of his day at Ellen Morris to keep everybody's heels clicking. Yep, George Sr. ran a tight starship, both at the stationery store and at home. In contrast, George Jr. was more of a daydreamer. He was, at best, a C student in school. He didn't like reading, was terrible at math, and by high school, he was bored. As George put it, I was never very good in school, so I was never very enthusiastic about it. As you can imagine, Georgie was a bit of a quiet kid. In fact, George Frankenstein can't remember George Jr. ever laughing. When he was 15, his family moved out of the house on Ramona Avenue and into a ranch-style house on 13 acres of land way out in the boonies. George was devastated. He even threatened to run away. He didn't go through with that threat, and eventually he settled into his new home. Because the house was too far for his friends to bicycle to, and nobody could drive yet, George became somewhat of a hermit in his new abode. He'd spend hours creating dioramas of tiny cities, complete with hills made from paper mache. When he'd come home from school, he'd go straight to his room and play some of his records, like Elvis Presley's Hound Dog. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. George would sit on his bed, read one of his many comic books, and drink a Coke. George was changing into a teenager. When I think of George Lucas, I think of Star Wars. I picture him with his gray hair and beard and wearing his plaid shirt and jeans, standing amongst his Star Wars creatures and vehicles. But George, as a teenager, looked like a character, uh, well, straight out of his first mainstream hit, American Graffiti. As a teen, George grew out his hair and slicked it back with Vaseline. He lived in Levi's and got a new obsession, cars. Before he could even drive, George got his very first car at 15. George Sr. bought him a Fiat Bianchina with a two-cylinder engine. It sounds cool, but according to George Jr., it had a sewing machine motor in it. It was a dumb little car. What could I do with that? It was practically a motor scooter. Now, you know that resourceful George could not just settle for a toy of a car. He had to do something with it. So, he altered the Fiat's suspension and beefed up its engine. He eventually would cut off the roof, put in a new windshield, and add a roll bar, thus transforming the Fiat into a little sports car. 
George was great at racing, and that felt good. In George's words, it was the thrill of doing something really well. When you drift through a corner and come up at just the right time, then shift down, there's something special about it. It's like running a very good race. You're all there and everything is working. You can see George's love for speed in the drag race from American Graffiti. You guys ready? And in Han Solo dodging and weaving through an asteroid field in The Empire Strikes Back. And in the exhilarating pod race scene in The Phantom Menace. Racing cars gave George an identity. He may not have been popular in high school, but cruising the streets of Modesto opened up a lot more social opportunities. To understand who George Lucas was at that time, his film American Graffiti perfectly encapsulates what his journey from adolescence to adulthood was like. As George put it, life then was all about racing cars, screwing around, having fun, and the endless search for girls. I just saw a vision. I saw a goddess. Come on, you gotta catch up to her. See anything? Come on, Kurt. We can't be spending half the night chasing girls down for you. As a youth, George's dream was to drive a Formula race car. But that would come to a grinding halt in his senior year of high school. One day, when George was driving home from school, a car going 90 miles an hour slammed into his Fiat, causing it to flip more than seven times. The racing harness that George had installed snapped, and he was thrown from the car. The harness was not supposed to snap, but fortunately for him, it did. If it hadn't, he would have probably been crushed to death by the steering column when the car smashed into a walnut tree. The force of the impact was so great that it actually uprooted the tree. George suffered several broken ribs and two collapsed lungs. He was lucky to be alive. Here's George telling Oprah Winfrey in 2012 how this experience changed his perspective on life. Maybe there's a reason I survived this accident that nobody should have survived. Mm -hmm. I, should have be, I should be dead. And from that moment on, I said, you know, uh, I'm going to get an extra day. You know, it did give me this perspective on life that said, you know, basically I'm operating an extra credit, therefore I can do anything I want, and therefore uh, let's just go for it and so have fun. So it shifted fun. you. Yeah. I mean, I'm never afraid of dying. I'm never afraid of having, you know, that, that you know, I feel like what I'm getting is bonus material. After the accident, instead of racing cars, he filmed them with a small 8mm camera that his father had bought him. He had already been obsessed with photography and had even converted a spare bathroom into a darkroom. So making movies was a natural progression for the budding filmmaker. It also sparked an interest in using film as an art form and a means for expression. One day, before the accident, George told his father he was thinking of going to Art Center in Los Angeles to study photography and the arts. A terrible fight ensued. After all, George Sr. still had hopes that Georgie would take over the business. George Jr. recalls, it was one of the few times I can remember really yelling at my father, screaming at him, telling him that no matter what he said, I wasn't going into the business. Well, you'll be back in a few years, George Sr. chided. I'll never be back. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to be a millionaire before I'm 30. That vow eventually came true. After two years in junior college, George applied 
and to everyone's surprise, he got accepted to the USC School of Cinema. And the rest is history. That chapter of his life deserves an episode unto itself. But I want to dig deeper here for a moment. George always points to this argument with his father as a defining moment in both their relationship and his sense of self. After this encounter, the two had a very tense relationship for close to 20 years. I can't help but think about how much this moment with his father mirrors that iconic scene with Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker in The Empire Strikes Back. Join me, and I will complete your training. I'll never join you! If you only knew the power of the dark side. Now, we know George Sr. wasn't asking Junior to join the dark side. But, to the teenage George, he kind of was. George Jr. was a quintessential artist with a laid-back attitude who, at that time, could never imagine becoming a businessman like his father. His passion was to make films, to make art, not sell typewriters. And in his mind, he would have been giving up his soul and his passions to do so. Many parents want their children to become doctors, lawyers, and business people. But when you're an artist, again, George, I can relate, it would go against every fiber of your being to do anything other than that. For his part, George Jr. acknowledges that it is tough to be a parent, especially now that he is one. Parents try as hard as they can to do the right thing, he says. They aren't purposely out to get you. They don't want to be Darth Vader. As Luke says, I know there is good in you, and I have faith in you, even though the rest of the universe thinks you're a schmuck. When I think about geniuses or talented artists, I often wonder if their brilliance was apparent when they were children. Were they wunderkinds or child prodigies? Were they mad geniuses working all hours of the night on their craft? This may be true for some legends, but for George Lucas, he was just a typical kid growing up in Modesto. That is why I love his story. It's relatable and it's proof that you never know where genius can be found. George's sister Kate claims that, quote, George is a great inspiration for parents. Nobody would have believed he was going to do anything. He was a total loss. He's a great example for parents not to lose their cool. I'm just amazed that a person that was so untogether could turn out to be so together. Well, I guess you can always count on your family to keep you in check, even if you're worth billions of dollars. Deeply ingrained in our reality is our relationship to our parents and our relationships to our kids. That's where the real stories always end up, even if they're action-adventure pieces. George Lucas said that, and he also acknowledged that the saga of Star Wars is basically a family soap opera. George Jr. carried his father's principles and business ethics close to his heart, and I think it turned out all right for him. But unlike his father before him, when George Lucas became a dad, after Return of the Jedi was finished, he chose a different path. As he told Charlie Rose in 2015, I mean, I gave up directing in order to become a dad. You know, for 15 years, directing. I just ran a company and was an innovator, but it was uh, not doing what I really like to do, which is actually make movies. And I never, it was one of those things where you don't expect it to happen. But once I was a dad, um, it was like a bolt of lightning struck me. 
and uh, I ended up getting divorced around that time. And I just decided, well, I think I'm just going to take care of my daughter. George is now remarried to investment banker Melody Hobson, and they have a three-year-old daughter named Everett. And as we all know, in 2012, lightning struck twice, and he decided it was time to sell his business to Disney. You know, I made the decision to sell the company with Star Wars. I made that decision because I looked at the future, I looked at the fact that I was going to have a baby, I looked at the fact that I was married, and I looked at the fact that I wanted to build a museum, and I looked at the fact that I wanted to make experimental films. So that started that ball rolling. What a life George Walton Lucas Jr. has had. And he still has a lot more of life to live, so who knows what passion projects he might take on next. But eventually, when that sad day comes, how does George Lucas want for us to remember George Lucas? When Charlie Rose asked him what he wanted the first line of his obituary to say, George's answer was so surprising for a man who has revolutionized the film industry, impacted our imaginations so profoundly, and given us epic stories to share with generations to come. That was a great dad. Well, I tried. <laughs> I bet the children of both George Lucas's would say, you did well. This episode makes me want to take a trip to Modesto, California. I actually read that the downtown was revitalized, so who knows? Maybe I need to go cruising in my sweet Prius down 10th Street. If you're cruising on social media, you can find me on Twitter at Jennifer Landa, hashtag JediBeat, and check out my YouTube channel that is filled with videos about Star Wars. Can you imagine if it was something else? That would be crazy. Be sure to subscribe to the Force Center feed to never miss a Jedi Beat or any of our shows like the Force Center main show with Ken Knapsack and Joseph Scrimshaw. And we have some new shows on the horizon, which is very exciting. You can find us on iTunes, Podomatic, or Stitcher, and if you like what you hear, spread the word. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, this has been The Jedi Beat. Deep down in Louisiana, close to New Orleans, way back up in the woods among the evergreens, there stood a log cabin made of earth and wood, where lived a country boy named Johnny B. Good, who never ever learned to read or write so well, but he could play a guitar just like a ring in a bell. Go, go! 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.